What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's and a special one at that because it's our 100th main episode. Very exciting stuff. And today we are three guys destined for anything but Valhalla with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I really want to try out the Viking themed sport from this movie. I'm Keith Baker, and Valhalla sounds okay, I guess. And I'm Austin Terry, and I am not enough of a performance artist to be a Viking. On today's show, we are discussing the new epic historical drama from Robert Eggers, The Northman. But before we get to that, I want to know, how long do you think it would realistically take for you guys to learn how to grab a spear thrown at you in midair and throw it conservatively 500 yards back at your target? It would take me exactly 15 seconds because I would try it once and just get impaled in the throat. It wouldn't even last a second. <laughs> it would just hit me immediately. Hopefully not in the throat because that would be really painful. Hopefully it would hit me somewhere where it's a quick death. And all of my Viking compatriots, I guess, would then just laugh at me and use my corpse for warmth or something because nobody cares about each other in this time period. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I just don't even know how you practice this maneuver. No, they would say you died bravely or something Yeah, like I guess, because you died in battle, so that good for you. <laughs> no tears were shed on his account. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the mantra. All right, guys, so clearly we're talking about the Northman, like we said, and this is an exciting one because I don't know about you guys, but Robert Eggers, I think, is definitely somebody where we've been hearing a lot about. A big up-and-coming director kind of burst onto the scene out of nowhere with The Witch, this kind of weird, atmospheric horror movie. I think that's also where Anya Taylor-Joy got her start. Then he immediately follows it up with The Lighthouse, so this guy, he's two for two. He's getting Academy Award shout-outs, he's getting all this praise, and then he's like, you know what? My next one, I've been working on this one for a while, been cooking on an idea with Alexander Skarsgård to do something Viking-themed. Sounds pretty cool. I know you guys, Austin and Keith, you guys are super into the Viking show, so I'm sure that kind of got you amped up. And the thing that was actually kind of interesting me about this is I don't really know too much about it. I mean, I'm pretty familiar with Hamlet, but basically kind of the old folktale, if you want to call it that, this legend of Amleth was kind of a story that was going around. It passed through generations. William Shakespeare heard it, and that became kind of the basis for Hamlet, one of his great and most well-known works. So it's, a, it's one of those things where like this is a very familiar story. It's revenge, but it's kind of persisted through decades and centuries. So it's kind of cool in that sense. But yeah, it's a big release. This is another movie that we mentioned on our opening episode of the year where we talked about all the movies and TV shows that were announced that we were looking forward to. So I know we've been all highly anticipating this one, so I'm excited to get into it. Austin and Keith, how about you hit me with your non-spoiler thoughts on The Northman? Yeah, I would say overall, I, I did enjoy The Northman, but I did find it a little underwhelming. And I think the reason for that is because it is just a traditional revenge story, and it never really goes beyond that. Um, that being said, though, I do think all of the performances are extremely solid in this movie. Um, I can't think of a bad piece of the cast. Alexander Skarsgård especially really brought it to this role. I think the visual stylings of the movie and the way it puts you in this Norse time period and also kind of doesn't make any excuses for how brutal this world is. I, I think all of that was really cool. And I think a lot of times uh, movies try to soften their main characters and they certainly don't take that approach with this one. Um, everybody is very brutal. So all of that I thought was super impressive. I think the action is really sweet. There's just not enough of, of what I thought we were going to get. Um, I think that's my other thing is the way they marketed the movie. It looked more like kind of a Viking odyssey story, and then it's ultimately a slower revenge tale, which I wasn't really expecting. So I think I was still really impressed with the movie, but for the most part, I was um, a bit underwhelmed by the time the credits rolled. Yeah, I'm pretty much just going to echo what you said, Austin, and like you, you pretty much explained my thoughts exactly. Um, yeah, like you said, Austin, I was expecting more of like a Viking, yeah, like you said, odyssey, 
battle royale kind of thing. Maybe like maybe a few more tribes in the mix, in the mix, uh, going across the seas back and forth. But we got kind of a smaller story, and it was okay. But you said it earlier, Matthew. It's not too original. It's like Hamlet or Lion King. You know, the 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 uncle kills the dad, and he's got to take revenge and all that. So I don't know. I, I was very underwhelmed the whole time, and I think the the runtime. Went on a little long for me because I didn't get what I wanted out of this movie. I was kind of just waiting for it to be over. I do agree that the the performances were really good. The visuals were awesome. The action we did get was badass, but it was almost like they were teasing you with the action. The whole time I was just like, oh, I want more. I want to get more of that. I never really got satisfied overall with the, with the action. The story at the end wrapped up kind of weird for me. Um, so that's where I'm at. Not what I expected. Yeah, um, I think this movie is without question a technical achievement. I mean, on a sound front, a visual front, the way everything's put together, the way the camera kind of moves around and like what they actually put in the camera. I'm, I, at times, I couldn't really tell what was practical and what was CG because everything just blended together and looked so good. So on that front, I mean, shout out to Robert Eggers and the team there. I mean, they made a beautiful looking and sounding movie for sure. Um, Yeah, kind of my negatives just really come down to not the performances, but just the characters and the plot itself. And yeah, sure, it's easy to call out. It, it's a very unoriginal story, but then it's a whole classic conundrum of, well, that's because this was the inspiration for all of these other stories. So it gets props for that. But I can't I won't spoil anything, but there was several moments while watching it where I was like, oh, that's interesting. So they're introducing this new element to kind of shake things up. So maybe this will end in a way that's kind of unexpected. And despite them kind of introducing all of these elements, the ending was still very predictable to me. And a lot of the motivations were very predictable. So I was confused why they introduced some of these elements to try and shake things up if they weren't really going to, I guess, commit to that by the end. So yeah, I, I guess I won't go into too much yet until we get into spoiler territory. But really what it comes down to is I couldn't really get latched on to the characters, specifically um, Alexander Skarsgård as Amleth and Anya Taylor-Joy as Olga. I just there just really wasn't much at all to those characters, so I didn't really care too much about them or their journey. And then, obviously, the plot itself, uh, like I mentioned, it gets a little bit interesting towards the middle and three quarters of the way through, but then it kind of ends in a familiar territory, which, while visually cool, it was a little bit disappointing for me as well. But overall, I would say I enjoyed the movie, but I did find it a little bit dull at times, and I had those issues that I just mentioned. I saw this with a friend and, and they pointed out after the movie that I really enjoyed that, but I never need to see it again. And that's kind of how I feel too. I'm glad I saw it, but I probably will never seek this one out for a second viewing. Um, and to your point too, Matt, about the characters, I also found them very hard to latch onto and root for. And originally that was kind of a negative for me, but the more I've kind of sat with it and thought about it, I think it is kind of cool that they just take the audience and plop you in this time period. And that's just kind of how these people were. And they don't try to make anybody relatable or anything like that, which can be hard as an audience member to latch on to somebody. But I feel like it is also very reflective of the time period they're trying to tell a story in. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. Well, let's go ahead and drop a spoiler warning then. So if you are somebody that has not seen The Northman and you want to check it out before hearing all of our thoughts, now's your time to hop on out and come on back once you've seen it, because we're about to get into everything everywhere all at once. Oh, my God. That was a good movie. Uh, we're about to get into everything spoiler territory, so stay tuned. All right, so welcome to spoiler territory, everybody. Austin and Keith, as usual, let's start it off with a little cast and crew talk. 
So The Northman is directed by Robert Eggers, who is a production designer and, of course, known for The Witch and The Lighthouse. It's also written by Eggers and Sean. Sean is an Icelandic poet, novelist, and lyricist. Our cinematographer is Jaron Blasky, um, who's worked with Eggers on all of his previous films and was nominated for an Academy Award for The Lighthouse. And finally, our musical score is composed by Robin Carolyn and Sebastian Gainsborough. All right, and going into our cast, we got Alexander Skarsgård as Amleth, Anya Taylor-Joy as Olga, Klaus Bang as Fjolner, Nicole Kidman as Queen Gudrun, Gustav Lind as Thior the Proud, Bjork as Ceres, and we got Willem Dafoe as Hymir, and Ethan Hawke as King Arvindil. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do you got? My highlight is to my buddy Keith for nailing all of those Viking names right there. Um, I think my biggest highlight is probably Nicole Kidman. I thought her performance was fantastic in the movie, and she's not on screen a whole lot, but every time she was, I felt like she stole the show. Um, I did, though, also kind of want more from her character because she was really interesting in the fact that she's a slave who got forced into a marriage with the king and then still tried to take control of her own life in this time period I thought was super cool. I thought her performance was great, but I did also want more from her character's story. I'm going to shout out Anya Taylor-Joy as Olga. I, I would just say she was a little bit more animated than the other characters. And I just I liked her character overall as the one kind of influencing Amleth. And I just appreciated her character, and I thought the performance was good. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I think all of the supporting performances are particularly good, um, kind of like what Austin alluded to. The one shame is that some of them, like Willem Dafoe, for example, I think is only in two scenes very quickly, and then he has a voiceover thing later. I didn't even know it was him in yeah, those scenes. Yeah, that's right. You get all these great actors and actresses, but uh, yeah, a lot a lot uh, smaller or more supporting roles than I expected, which is good. I mean, they still really filled out the world well. Um, the only one of the main performances that I really like, like I said, I liked Alexander Skarsgård, I liked Anya Taylor-Joy, it's just that I didn't really care about those characters, and I didn't care about the character that I'm about to mention, I just thought the performance was so good, it kind of propelled me through. And it's, of course, our main antagonist. I thought Clive Spang as Fjolnir was a really interesting character. And I was nervous at the beginning because I was like, oh, is this just going to be kind of, you know, the typical revenge story that we're familiar with? But I thought we got enough screen time from him as the movie went on where it's not like you go, oh, wow, he's completely justified. What a good guy. But you at least get some layers from him and there's kind of a, some curtains pulled in terms of that character's motivation. So it makes him a bit more interesting, and I thought the performance was always good from him. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it more, but you kind of call him an antagonist there, and I I agree that that's what the movie sets him up to be, but by the end of the story, when you find out more about his relationship with Queen Gudrun, he's he's not as bad of a guy as we're originally led to believe, and so I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, so you guys are kind of getting a taste of what our thoughts on the movie are, but let's take a quick pit stop to the critical reception. So, The Northman received critical acclaim and currently has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is, a bloody revenge epic and breathtaking visual marvel, The Northman finds filmmaker Robert Eggers expanding his scope without sacrificing any of his signature style. Audiences, though, were a little bit more mixed. Those polled on CinemaScore gave it a B, and those at post-track gave it a 77% score, but only 58% said that they would definitely recommend this one. All right, so positive reviews centered around Eggers' ability to put the audience in this movie's time period and not soften his characters for modern sensibilities, uh, the general tone combined with Eggers' direction, and finally, the most common praise was the visual stylings and overall look of the film. The few negative reviews we could find mentioned, at times, reviewers were questioning if the visuals were the most interesting aspect of the film, ahead of the characters and plot. 
And when the movie tries to go for something deeper and profound, it doesn't always hit the landing. All right, guys. So before we get into all of our deeper thoughts with our roundtable discussion, is there anything here that you want to call out? Can be a positive or negative thing? Anything stand out to you? I think the negative review of every time it tries to go for something deeper and profound, it never hits the landing. I don't even know if it like I think it only wants to tell an interesting revenge story. I, I, I didn't really get like a profound message about like why we shouldn't go after revenge or like I didn't find any of that there. So I totally agree with that, that there's nothing more beneath the surface than just a really cool Viking revenge story. Yeah. And I would agree with the the reviewers were questioning if the visuals were the most interesting aspect of the film ahead of the characters and plot. And like I said, I like the characters, uh, but the plot definitely fell short. And the, I think the visual, visuals were awesome. And I think it had potential to do so much, so much more with those if they could have just made a better story and maybe had a few more cool Viking battle scenes in the mix. Yeah, I think um, I agree with everything here. Despite my, I guess, lukewarm thoughts on the movie, I still agree with all the positives here. I mean, the tone I thought was very dark and kind of keeps you in that world, which kind of with that first point. I really like that, too. That That's a great way to put it. I mean, it really puts you in a time period, not necessarily just with like the look of the movie and like, oh, look at this architecture. Doesn't it feel like you're in an old movie? But I do really think it's kind of the brutality of the characters at times, even our quote unquote heroes and seeing how brutal they can be. It kind of it's interesting to see like that put you into a different time period in watching a movie. So I really like that. Um, but I also agree with both of the negatives, too, like you guys already said. I mean, I don't think they prioritize the visuals. I mean, I think if you ask them, everything was important. It just, yeah, at times it kind of feels like, you know, what you're looking at, like just like these crazy visuals or like these sweeping landscapes. That's kind of what was most interesting to me. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of with you, Awesome. Maybe as, as more, like the more we talk, we'll figure out if there's anything deeper here. But yeah, I mean, I guess once you get towards the end of the movie and maybe you find out about Gudrun and Fjolnir's motivation, like why they killed the king. I guess it can kind of confront not just Amleth, but you, the audience, like, oh, like, who is the good guy? Who is the bad guy? Like, are we rooting for Amleth at the end? Are we rooting for Fiolnir at the end? I don't know. So in that sense, I guess I got something a little bit deeper than I was expecting. But yeah, I mean, at other times through like the narration or whatever, I wasn't getting like, wow, this is, you know, something very deep or anything like that. So maybe it did stumble in a couple of places. Just to add on to your point about how you totally agree with the movie's time period being a highlight of the film. I think they also did a really good job of showing you how harsh the world was at this time, too. Like when they're on the boats and just like this freezing seawater spilling over, it looks miserable. The farming, the ground in Iceland looks like it'd be extremely difficult because it's all rock. So I, I thought the actual like world kind of playing a character in this film is really interesting, too, because I, I kind of got that that is also influencing the harshness of these characters it's just because of the environments they're trying to survive in. Yeah, definitely. God, it's so freaking cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> You're just, I was cold the whole time I was watching this movie. Yeah, that doesn't stop like most of the characters from like being naked most of the time, though. <laughs> I never want to be in one of those boats, like, ever. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but all right, with that, let's go ahead and get a little bit deeper. So let's go ahead and jump into our roundtable discussion and break this all down. I guess I'll start us off, and we've already talked about it a lot, but I wanted to see if there was any specific call-outs from you guys. So the way the film looks, obviously, it's very striking from a visual standpoint. We have kind of the real-world elements that we talked about where you get all these beautiful vistas, and the way the camera moves, I think, really adds to that as well. And then, of course, we also have the more, I guess you could call it like the CGI-focused moments where we get glimpses at Valhalla and the Tree of Life, for example. So, I mean, do you guys have any standout points? I mean, what really kind of just from a visual, whether it be real world or CG, like any moments, like what really jumped out to you? One of the things that 
that jumped out at me for this one is the the way they do these really long sweeping takes. I um, mean, a good example of that is when they first assault this like village at the beginning when Amleth has kind of grown up. The way that camera just pans like from a side view of the village and you see them climb the fence, hop over, jump down, start attacking all the guys, and it's just it's just like a a, a rolling side panel, and it's all it looks it's at least filmed to look like one take. Um, there's a lot of shots like that in this movie, and those I thought were super impressive. Yeah, that was so cool. That was probably one of my top moments of the movie. And I think I think the uh, just like them being on the boat, like you said earlier, Austin. Um, even though there wasn't a lot going on, it still looked really cool. You could definitely like just feel like like you said the harshness. The ocean just looks so desolate and and foggy and cold. They did a pretty good job of uh, portraying that as well. I did really like too um, all like the fantastical elements that come into play, like when he's fighting that skeleton for his sword and seeing um olga as a valkyrie like stuff like that i thought all looked really cool too and i honestly i kind of i kind of wanted more of the north like mythology because they kind of set it up that there is mystical elements in this world i kind of wanted more of that to like play a factor in the story because i thought it all looked so cool yeah i mean i think that was probably my favorite scene was i think it, it stood out to me because it was from how it looked at least mostly practical which was the scene where he fights like the Draugr to get his night blade. I mean, that was so cool. And it was great because it felt like it combined all of the things that I liked visually about the movie in the sense that it wasn't like as like brutal as the previous sites. No, but I thought it was cool seeing our main character fight this literal like skeleton for a sword. It was super interesting. But then it also had the added element of the camera movements that really helped make that fight scene pop. But then it also, while being practical for the most part, I think it still interestingly had a fantastical element which was the second he like buries the axe into the guy's back and then cuts off his head the camera then pans over to the left and then we see Amleth standing about to take the sword again kind of implying that you know that fight was not necessarily in his head maybe he could have died and then he just would have fallen over dead it was like a mental battle in a way he had to win in order to earn the sword I was like oh that's really cool like it's kind of ambiguous but it feels like it makes sense in this world where fantastical things happen. So I really enjoyed that. Another thing I really liked about that scene was just how it was all centered around that little beam of moonlight that was shining through the ship. The framing it that way I thought was super cool and kind of added to the the night blade can't be uncapped in light. It can only be used in the darkness. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say another one was the, um, we can save like the deep talk for that later on, but was the, the volcano fight. Oh yeah, of course. That was gorgeous. Yeah, I was surprised at that because I was like, is all the smoke going to make this look weird? And like, can we see what's going on? But they found a way to incorporate it. So it looked right and it looked visually striking, but it was still a really exciting fight to watch. You could see everything that was happening. I like that. That was like framed up as the gates to hell as well. That was cool. cool. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Since we're kind of talking about a few of the fantastical elements here, too, what did you guys think about like the way fate plays a role in the story and, you know, some of the mystical stuff like the sword or like interacting with um, Willem Dafoe's head that's supposed to kind of be a reference to Mimir, the guy that advises Odin. What do you guys think about all that stuff? They definitely brought it up a lot, but I still don't think it was super interesting because then once you get to the end, I mean, the whole thing is about, I guess Amleth is somewhat, I wouldn't call him content, but he's fine with living this, you know, weird life as like a Viking berserker, even though they're doing horrible things like, you know, raping people and burning houses down with women and children in it like i guess you know he's gonna just live that life and then obviously once he starts hearing about fjolnir and then he talks to this cirrus and it's like oh i guess i have a fate that i have to 
do. But then as the movie goes on, he keeps talking about it. But ultimately, the ending of the movie kind of culminates in his decision to leave Olga because it's like he has to make a choice. He like has to choose like, what was it like the love of kindness from his kinship or uh, revenge, basically. Right. And so he chooses revenge. And his logic is because I guess at this point he killed Gudrun and the children. At that point, he'd only killed the oldest son. So I think he was oh, you're right, worried you're right. that that would then start another cycle of revenge where they'd now be coming after him, Olga, and now his two kids that were on the way. Yeah. So then he just leaves and goes to the fight and dies. And then in a very quick ending scene, goes to Valhalla. So yeah, I mean, I guess they were consistent with how they set up fate. And then he just kind of follows it through. The one thing is like he could have chosen to be with his family, but he decides to do revenge. So yeah, I guess I just wasn't super like wowed by the the climax in that sense of like the fate storyline yeah i thought the fate storyline was super interesting and i actually got excited when him and olga try to leave and like take the kindness aspect of of his choice i thought i thought that was gonna be really cool because it's kind of like him trying to break away like he says like cut the webs of fate it seemed like that's what they were trying to do and he just gets off the boat and i was like oh well that was kind of <laughs> underwhelming <laughs> yeah I, know. I was really looking forward to seeing them somewhere else and then he just jumps off and she's all pissed off i'm like she has every right to be pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> <Golly>. <laughs> I mean, so speaking of like all that and the fate stuff and like whether or not Fjolnir would actually hunt them down. Um, so then he goes back to the farm. I don't, yeah, I just don't know how I felt about this because then he's like trying to find Fjolnir and he somehow Fjolnir leaves the house and then Amleth comes in. Fjolnir is just not there. And then he finds Gudrun and Gunnar's hiding place. She attacks him and he basically kills her in self-defense. I mean, even though earlier in the film he's like, I would never kill a woman. I guess he didn't really have a choice here. And then Gunnar just jumps on his back and starts stabbing him. Like 45 times. Yeah, too. and then in kind of a weird scene, I'm not saying he wasn't justified. It was still self-defense. But like he turns around, grabs him, throws him off. And then like as he does it, he like, you know, he goes for a killing blow and then it's a dead kid. So, I mean, did that stuff work for you? Were you bothered by that? Because in my head, I was like, oh, is this just like they're just really quickly trying to wrap up like the whole cycle of violence thing? Is like if I kill Gunner and Gudrun, I kind of lucked out because now if I kill Fjolnir, there's nobody to come after me. But I don't think he would have killed them if he had the choice, if that makes sense. But it's just because it happened in self-defense, I guess. Yeah, I think he was only intending to kill Fjolnir. But then it's interesting, too, because now that the whole family's dead, you're right, like he kind of guaranteed Olga's safety because there's no reason for anybody to come after her and their kids. I did like the scene when Filner comes in and just sheets his sword, picks up his family and says, I'll meet you at hell. Like I, I thought that was, I kind of subverted my expectations. I thought they were going to start their fight there. And I just like the look on his face. Like he just, he's not interested in this at all. He just wanted to live on this farm with his wife and kids. Yeah, I guess now that we're talking about the ending, this kind of you know, ties into what I mentioned earlier, where it's like about halfway through the movie, three quarters of the way through, they do kind of break with expectation, like we said, because at first it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm locked into this movie. I'm like halfway through it. It's clearly just a standard, which isn't a bad thing. It's just a standard revenge story. And I'm guessing by the end he kills Fjolnir and then, I don't know, maybe he lives with Olga. I don't know. But then they have the elements where he finally gets alone with his mom. He's going to save her. And then, of course, the reveal that she had a very big part in um, getting Fjolnir to kill Amleth's father. So it was like, oh, shit, okay, what's going to happen with this? Because now he's in a position where I guess still wants to kill Fjolnir, but it's going to make it very hard when his mom is going to be like, 
spilling all the information. So I was like, what's going to happen here? And then there's the other element of like, is he going to kill Fjolnir's other kids? So I was like, okay, about halfway through, like I'm saying, they introduce all these elements that kind of recontextualize the antagonist and even adds an antagonist with Nicole Kidman's character. I was like, all right, so now I went from really just expecting a standard, like he kills Fjolnir and goes on his merry way, goes to make a new life for himself because he accomplished his mission. But then, it, like it, like we said, it, now it feels weird almost if he kills Fjolnir because it sounds like Amos dad was a really bad guy, a real piece of shit. So it's like, okay, what's he going to do now? And then that's kind of what I mentioned at the beginning. I was a little bit disappointed because then the movie really just ends, despite all that interesting stuff, it just ends with him killing Fjolnir and then he just dies anyway. So. It's weird because there's like a like a twenty ish block minute block of time where it's like, oh wow, I have no idea what's going to happen now. But then it ends. You could have just removed all that stuff because it, it ends like the way everybody predicted anyway. So I was kind of weirded out by that. It didn't add any value to the story finding out that information, and that's that's what I was getting at too with Nicole Kidman's character. Is I loved her performance, and I found the idea of like a slave woman who was forced into a marriage and forced to bear the king a son. That idea of that story of her taking control of her life and trying to build a life with someone that she actually cares about and like loves, like all that. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And then she dies the next time we see her on screen. So like all every time the movie tried to get more interesting, they kind of backtracked and just went back to the typical revenge story. By the time the movie ends and you learn all this information about Fjolnorat, I thought they did a pretty good job of setting up the initial revenge. How do you guys feel by the time we get to the end of the movie about the antagonist relationship between Amleth and Fjolnorat? Were you still able to root for Amleth? Did you have a bit more context to Fjolnir's actions? What were you thinking by the time he gets his head cut off? I'm not really sympathetic towards Fjolnir. He's still a murderer. and like a <laughs> slave, slave owner. Slave too. owner. <laughs> yeah, and... Like I said, I'm more with Olga. Like she, she's pregnant with his baby, and he just left her. Yeah, because like I know Nicole Kidman would have kept pushing for Amleth to die, but I mean, it's like in this time period, I feel like if you just sail somewhere and I don't know, you don't have to like live in isolation. Just like go far away from them and make make a life for yourself. I feel like they wouldn't have gotten found, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm kind of with Keith. It's it's hard to feel sympathy for Fjolnir because he is a murderer and he like runs all these slaves and doesn't care about really anything outside of his immediate family. But at the same time, that's kind of what makes the movie interesting because you can still feel, I don't know if sorry is the right word, but you kind of like, you feel bad whenever he walks in and sees the last members of his family now completely slaughtered. Uh, so now there's nobody. I guess you don't really, you don't feel bad for him as a person. I think you just feel bad that like this innocent kid got killed in the midst of it that seemingly maybe would have been raised to be a bad guy, probably like just continuing the slave operation. But still, it is like a little kid. And then also it gets all muddled because Amleth is taking revenge on like for his father, who we now know is a confirmed horrible person. So it's like, ah, so I, I think where I stand is a bit closer to Keith. It's like, I think he probably just should have taken the third option and just stayed with Olga and just leave it all behind. Uh, I think that would have been a bit more satisfying because, I don't know, watching him kill Fjolnir, it's like all in the name of his father, who's a bad guy. But I still get it, still was his dad. So I, I give props for it being kind of a conflicting situation for the characters and you, the viewer. But by the time, you know, he gets stabbed through the heart and he cuts off Fjolnir's head, I just was kind of like, eh, I think he just should have stayed with Olga. 
I think, too, if he had made that choice to leave his fate behind and go with Olga, it, that's where the movie then could have gone to a more profound message about revenge instead of just being a typical revenge story. It could have been interesting commentary there. I do want to call out, too, that I totally agree with you guys that feeling there isn't really a character you can root for because of his actions. Also, I, I was finding it hard to be fully invested in Amleth, too, just because of just because of seeing what he participates in when his clan does sack that yeah, village. exactly. I think that may be why we're all kind of struggling to be overwhelmingly positive in this movie is because just all of the characters are so brutal and, and kind of have bad elements to them as well. Let's talk about the action a little bit and break it down. We talked a little bit about the the opening sequence where they're climbing up the wall and, and pillaging through the village. thought that was really cool. And we get a little bit more action scenes at the farm, obviously, when he's like slowly killing everybody at the farm and his uncle is like wondering, who is this demon and all that? We get all those different kills. I was wanting a you know more of a like a Viking like bloodbath, tribe against tribe kind of thing. Were you guys wanting that? Uh, what are y'all's thoughts? I did find myself really excited every time Knight came around in this movie because I was really interested to see what Amleth was going to do next to kind of terrorize his uncle. So that aspect of the film really worked for me. Um, I am with you though, Keith. I from the way this movie was marketed, it looked like it was going to be more so Amleth, you know, with his Viking clan kind of goes away, then comes back and tries to retake his father's territory. That's what I thought we were getting into, and I was excited for that. And so not getting that was pretty disappointing to me. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe since I was a little bit underwhelmed by the movie overall, part of me wonders if they had added in you know, more action, would we now be sitting here reviewing it just saying, oh, it's just kind of a standard action movie? Like the action was really good, but would it have made the movie better? I don't know. So I'm okay with what we got, but... I am with you in the sense that every time we did get like a really brutal, like well choreographed action scene, that was a highlight. So, yeah, and I'm with you on the way they kind of fill you with both dread and excitement once night hits because, you know, the night blade can come out and what's Hamlet going to do, like you said. So I did really enjoy the action overall. Um, I guess the one dissenting opinion on my end is just that i don't know i'd just be concerned like i feel like <laughs> the only thing worse than what this movie could have been would just have been like a standard action movie so but i don't know who's to say i, I will agree with you for sure though that based on the marketing alone like the movie you're describing is also what i thought we were gonna get so yeah i, I think it's very fair to be disappointed by what we got here i did like no one being able to unsheath the night sword in the day i thought that was always funny that was when funny. other people were trying to use the sword what did you guys think of towards the beginning um, when they're all kind of acting like animals, like wolves and like howling? And then whenever he's going to the village and he's like killing people in really brutal ways and just like howling at the freaking sky. What did you guys think about all that? Yeah, I got sick of that real quick. I had enough <laughs> of, all, of all the dog howling. I was like, make it stop, please. I thought like the ceremony stuff was cool, but it, it just all went on way too long for me. Like I was sitting in, my, I was sitting in my seat, like shrinking back. Like I don't want to watch this anymore. And they could stop. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it, I guess it didn't bother me too much. I thought it led to some cool scenes. Like one night, he basically just unleashes a pack of dogs or wolves or whatever it was, just because he's out there howling. I guess that that works apparently. Um, Why did that make his family dog attack Philnor? I don't know. That's confusing <laughs> That's <good> to me. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Um, even some of the smaller scenes like that involved animals, because obviously animals and like the personification of the god they're associated with, you know, is a big part of Norse mythology. And like watching him being strung up after being tortured and then a bunch of like Odin's ravens fly in and basically just like break down his um what's holding him up. It's like, oh, OK, that's kind of interesting. So 
There were some good scenes, but yeah, some of it was a little goofy. But I kind of like the goofy factor of the movie. I think a lot of it came from those elements. It it kind of gave it a little bit of a an extra dimension for me. Like there was a couple months where I actually laughed, which I wasn't expecting. So I kind of liked having stuff like that. Do you guys think the gods were on Amleth's side in this movie since he does get saved by Odin's ravens? I guess so. Yeah, I, I guess. Mean, it, it literally seems that way. Yeah. Even though, yeah, even though he's fighting for a like a bad dad. <laughs> He still had, like, good intentions, I guess. Did everybody in your theater, like, cringe and let out a gasp yep. when him and his mom started kissing? Yep. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> I was really worried that that was going to be the second half of the movie, was him trying to become the king to his mom. Ugh. Like, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well, since we kind of already dove into the ending in full detail, how about we end the show with this? So... Let's just keep it general, I guess. I mean, before we wrap up here, are there any other random scenes or moments that you guys feel the need to call out? Could be positive or negative. Just, uh, yeah, what else is left to talk about for you guys? I thought the Viking game was an interesting scene because that was before he found out about how much his mother really likes Fjolnir. So he was still being really protective of his half-brother because they were kin. And so I found that interesting from Amleth's perspective, that he's still willing to be protective of, of maybe a, a siblings that he doesn't really know, but they're still his blood. Because that's, that's a lesson his father tells him is like, always protect your blood. So I, I found that kind of cool. Another great point. I really thought something was going to come of the Gunner stuff, but then obviously he just gets killed at the end very quickly. So I was like, is there going to be a wrap up with that? Like, are they going to somehow come together? I don't know, but yeah, yeah. that's interesting. That was, yeah, that was a perfect scene. I like the game thing, which is fun to watch in general. And then when he bashes that dude's head in, that was intense. But I think it was a good way to establish him as like a, like a spy. Uh, I guess you could say he formed his credibility as being loyal to uh, Fjolnir's family. And so they're like, oh, so when all these demons start attacking, Fjolnir is never suspecting him at first. They're like, oh, it can't be him. Like, he just saved our son. And a headbutt. And why, do, why do people always headbutt in this movie? It looks like it's going to just make, give you a concussion. I have no idea. They don't know what that is yet. <laughs> it's not that they feel awful for three weeks after. <laughs> I know we talked about the opening, but I don't know how long it was like i don't know how long it is like once the movie starts to once amleth sails away in the boat i'm not sure like how many minutes that was but i really enjoyed all of that stuff i thought it was a great setup to the movie um there was like hints of weirdness going on like the scene with arvindil and gudrun like where she's trying to i guess be intimate with him and he just seems like he has he doesn't really care about her at all so obviously that kind of, you know, context is necessary for later stuff in the movie. But yeah, overall, I just thought the opening was so good. But I did admittedly have a little bit of a laugh out loud moment that was unintentionally funny, which I just, <laughs> I like that uh, Arvindil and Amleth go to this ceremony because Arvindil feels like he might die soon. So he needs to like do the ceremony where they pass on the, you know, responsibility to the heir, basically. He's like, if I die, you must take revenge. Do you promise? And he's like, I do, father. Um, the second they finish the ceremony, he gets killed. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> just laughing. Just like the second they walk out the door, like, what a great ceremony. Here's the responsibility. And then, boom, four arrows into him. <laughs> I was like, that was pretty good timing. It's on the front door of the temple. Like, nobody was around to help them. No one heard him, like, screaming out. <laughs> Apparently not. I don't know. Where did everybody go? I was wondering I that, too. Know. It's just like, <laughs> ah! 
Ah! And just like four, <laughs> like four arrows just smashed into this guy, and then he gets stabbed with spears right after. Visually, too, the scene of young Amleth like working his way through the town to the boat was really impressive as well. Yeah, being under the under the huts and all that. Oh yeah, that was cool. Put on the cloak and everything. Did you like the the man that was missing his nose? That, yeah, that was like a like an interesting little visual. <laughs> I did like that. I like too that line when he's like the cub that bit your nose has come back for the whole thing, oh and then just God, shoves his sword badass. through his face. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're going to do with this one. It's, of course, the Arnie's Awards segment where we get to just shout out something can be a positive or a negative. We get one thing that we want to award something to in the Northmen. And I have no idea what you guys are going to award. So I'm very curious about how the ceremony will go. Yeah, I will be giving the High Ground Award to Amleth and Filnor in their final fight in the lava because all it did was remind me of Mustafar when Obi-Wan gets the High Ground and slays Anakin. It reminded me of that and Lion King whenever... Simba yes. has to fight Scar <laughs> at the volcano. <laughs> the exact same thing. <laughs> I guess I'm going to give the the worst father of the year award goes to Ethan Hawke as, uh, as yeah. a king when he's teaching his son how to be a dog and eat out of a bowl. Not good. Not a good way to <laughs> yeah, start I out your childhood. <laughs> and the way you prove you're a man is by burping or farting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I did like that Amleth went for the joke in that scene, though. His father burped. And he just straight up farted in uh, his pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. My award, of, of course, is one that many people are trying to get. And I, I respect that. But only one person will get it today. And it goes to Alexander Skarsgård as Amleth. And he's getting the, what was the plan here award? And that's, of course, when in his anger over his mother, he brutally murders their eldest son and then steals the heart and then basically meets with Olga to like, All right. We got. We have a plan. Let's get out of here. And she's like, "Okay." And then it just cuts to the next day where Fjolnir's like, "Where is Amleth?" And then he just shows up again. I was like, "Hey, here's your heart." <laughs> and then he gets captured and tortured for it. And I was like, "What? Was, what are you trying to do here?" <laughs> His literal only plan is to say, "That's not the heart. I buried it in the woods, and you'll never find oh, it." Yeah, I forgot about that element. <laughs> yeah, good one, Amleth. <laughs> You want to hear me fart again? I'm, I'll prove I'm a man. <laughs> he just farts, yeah. That's all he can do. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, uh, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that. So continue to grow the show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you ever get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for some much-needed Nicolas Cage talk with the unbearable weight of massive talent. I'm so excited for this one. And also, we've had a few mind-bending weeks on this podcast. Um, Two weeks ago, we talked about the hit Apple TV show Severance starring Adam Scott. And the following week, we talked about the Michelle Yao-led Everything Everywhere All at Once. So if you want to hear our thoughts on both of those pieces of media, be sure to go back on your podcast feed and check those out. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of The Northman? Are we crazy for our thoughts on this one? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time. God, I'm ready for some Nick Cage talk. It's about time we did it on this podcast, so strap in get ready for it. 100 years of the Arnie's. 100 years? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We made it to a hundred. See ya.